Well, good morning. I want to begin uh, right before we read the scripture just by saying this is an honor and a privilege for me. Um, I want to say thank you to our pastor and the elders of our church for this opportunity. Uh, it is a great joy to me, and I pray that it will be a blessing and joy to you as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, our preaching text this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 18 through 20. We will remain standing for the reading of Scripture. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and in this particular portion of his letter, uh, this is what he writes. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us. Hallelujah to that. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You may be seated. R. Kent Hughes makes the statement that the cross is the ultimate evidence that there is no length the love of God will refuse to go in effecting reconciliation. Likewise, the great theologian J.I. Packer, he makes this statement. He says, reconciliation is an essential term. That it's describing the, the, the gospel, the substance of the gospel in salvation. As we've seen in the preaching text this morning, the Apostle Paul seems to place a, a particular focus on this theme of reconciliation. And therefore, in like manner, this, this theme of reconciliation is going to be at the forefront of our focus this morning as well. For the sake of clarification, I think it's going to be most helpful if we just spend just a moment defining this term. What, what does reconciliation mean, and what does it mean at least from the perspective of Christian theology? I'm not sure about y'all, but the, the term reconciliation really doesn't find it bouncing around in my everyday vocabulary. Uh, perhaps for some of us, but at least not for me. I'm a, I'm a now country boy. Cody knows when, back in the days when I was more city than country. Uh, the, the great state of Alabama has refined me a little bit. But still, this word doesn't just, you know, bounce around my vocabulary. So let's spend a few moments this morning just defining it. Reconciliation is a term or a phrase used to describe the bringing back together again in a strange relationship. It's the resolving or remedy of conflict between two parties that, that are opposed to one another. It's the restoration of harmony. It's the exchange of, of enmity for peace and for friendship. You can say that from the perspective of Christian theology, reconciliation is it's the restoration of the relationship between God and man that has been broken or severed on account of man's sinful rebellion against God. We could further that by saying that biblical restoration is, is the bringing back together again into peace and into harmony 
the relationship between a holy God and sinful man through the remedy or the resolution that has been offered in Jesus, God's Son. It's been stated over and over again that Jesus, the Son of God, became the Son of Man so that sons of men could become sons of God. Calvin, one of the the great reformers, he describes reconciliation in this way. He says it's the end of estrangement that was caused by sin, the estrangement between God and humanity. It's the peace between humanity and God that results from the expiation or the making amends of religious sins and the propitiation or the appeasement of God's wrath. We could say that to be reconciled to God is to have the great chasm that's between us and him that's been forged by our sin and rebellion against his word. It's it's to have that great chasm bridged by the cross of Christ. Reconciliation, it's the exchange of enmity between us and God with peace between us and God. Once again, the cross, it's, it's the ultimate evidence that there is, there is no length the love of God will not go, refuse to go, in affecting reconciliation. As we turn our attention to our text this morning, I want to highlight two aspects of reconciliation that the Apostle Paul communicates in this passage of Scripture and in this letter to the church at Corinth. It's two aspects of reconciliation that I hope will will cause our hearts to hope in Christ, but also cause our lives to be on mission with Christ. First, and quite simply stated, it'll be on the screens this morning, and it's this, that we have received reconciliation. We have received reconciliation. Paul says in verse 18 that all of this, and sum that up with the word reconciliation, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is that God, or in Christ, was reconciling the world to himself. We have received reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you realize this or not, Especially for those of us who have been in the church for a while, we, we seem to, to, to maybe grow accustomed. We, 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 grow, we grow easy with this, but this is great news. The fact that we have been reconciled to God is, is good news. It's good news for us afresh and anew today. In the midst of our 21st century chaos of a world, this is, this is good news for the world today. That we have received reconciliation. I want to just consider, just for, just for a moment, the, the magnificence of, of what, this, what this really means. See, God is infinite in perfection. God is, he is most holy. He is most pure. He is most true. He is most righteous. The Apostle John, in his first letter, he would, he would describe the, 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 the magnificence of the impeccable and, and transcendent nature of God in this way. He would say simply that God is light. And not only is God light, but in him there is no darkness at all. As human beings, we would be rightfully and are rightfully defined to the contrary. I mean, by our very nature, and it's, it's visible in our various thoughts and desires and actions that we are the opposite. We are imperfect. 
We are unholy. We are untrue. We are unrighteous. We are impure. We are sinners. We are sinners not because we sin. We simply sin because we are sinners. We are full of darkness at every turn. Even the the holiest among us is, is tainted by darkness and sin. And when our righteousness, when it is, when it is set up against the, the beauty of God, the prophet Isaiah says we are, we are filthy rags. As parents, we can, we can testify to this, can't we? We can testify to the extent of humanity's fallen state. We don't have to teach our children the ways of sin and error. No, we have to teach them the ways of truth and righteousness because what comes naturally to them is certainly not righteousness. Furthermore, our sin is not aimless. Our our sin, from the slightest offense to to the, the, the greatest assault, it is aimed at God. We have sinned against God and we have rejected his word. The late R.C. Sproul, he makes this comment concerning our sin. He says that sin is a, is a cosmic treason. That sin is treason against a perfectly pure sovereign. That it is an act of supreme ingratitude toward the one to whom we owe everything. To the one who has given us life itself. He goes on to write that what are we saying? He asks the question, what are we saying to our creator when we disobey him, even at the slightest point? We are saying no to the righteousness of God. We are saying that God, your law is not good, that my judgment is better than yours, that your authority does not apply to me, that I am above and beyond your jurisdiction, that I have the right to do what I want, not what you have commanded me to do. See, due to our sin against God, humanity is at enmity with God. God has pronounced us guilty and we are rightfully standing condemned before him. The only right response from God towards humanity is judgment. God in his impeccable holiness and us in our sinful state. The only right response that God should should have towards us is judgment. Our treason against God and his word demands such a retribution. We should receive damnation. Yet in this passage of scripture, the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says we receive reconciliation. In our sin, we, we should be crushed under the weight of God's wrath. And yet in the Savior, we are kissed by divine love. In verses 18 through 19, Paul makes this clear. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us. He should have damned us, and yet he has reconciled us to himself. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. We have received reconciliation. Now notice, if you will, that our reconciliation is from God. The reconciliation is from God. I mean, is this not the big picture story of the Bible? 
Over the last couple of years, our church has been working through the, the, the courses of Scripture, the tapestry of the pages of the Bible. Is this not what we have seen from cover to cover? Is God not a God of reconciliation? Is God not a God of salvation? God has always been willing to save. He has always been willing to redeem. In the garden, in the fall of mankind, where do we see God? Not sitting upon his throne in glory, he comes down to the garden to pursue humanity. He is a God of reconciliation. God has always been willing to pursue and to reconcile broken humanity, even though it is we who have rebelled against him from the very beginning. Reconciliation is is not a response from God in gratitude for our human merit. No, reconciliation is a response of mercy. A response of mercy that's been given through the merit of Christ Jesus. Thomas Watson makes this statement. He says that God shows mercy. Not because we deserve mercy, but because he delights in mercy. But not only is reconciliation from God, but according to our text, it's through the forgiveness of our sin. It's through the forgiveness of our sin. Notice the text once again. He says all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting their trespasses against them. It's through the forgiveness of sins. This means that the only means by which a sinful humanity can be reconciled to a righteous God... Is for the offense of sin. What Paul says is our trespasses against God to be removed. To be removed, to be forgiven. And Paul says that this is exactly what God does. That God reconciles the world. Sinners from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. He reconciles the world to himself through the forgiveness of our sin. The forgiveness of our trespasses against him. Now for those of us who think critically this morning, I mean this poses an immediate conflict in our minds, doesn't it? This this poses an immediate problem to us. Like how can God, who is infinite in his perfection, who is most holy and most true and most righteous and, and most pure, simply write off humanity's sins without himself failing to uphold what is just. How can he say that your sins are forgiven without himself becoming a sinner? How can he excuse what is wrong without himself becoming wrong? Doesn't sin demand retribution? Doesn't wrong demand it to be corrected, to it be righted? Wouldn't this in and of itself make God an offender? Wouldn't this render him in and of himself unjust? See, the Westminster Confession of Faith, I think, rightly states this about God. It says, God, who being most holy and most righteous, neither is nor can be the author and or approver of sin. That God hates all sin and will by no means clear the guilty. So how is it then that Paul can make such a statement? How can he claim such a truth that we can receive reconciliation? 
How can this be gifted to humanity? Brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to be crystal clear in this. The answer to that question always has been, it is today, and it will always be Christ alone. Christ is the answer to that question. He is the only answer to that question that satisfies that question. Paul states that all this is from God who through Christ. Reconciliation comes through Christ. The forgiveness of our sin comes through Christ. Let's consider the testimony of Scripture. They'll be up on the screens so that you don't have to turn on your pages. Romans chapter 5 verses 10 through 11 makes this statement. It says, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul writes this in chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. He literally is our reconciliation. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. There's more going on in the context of that that passage of scripture. But the point I want to make is this, is that reconciliation is through Christ. The hostility between humanity and God is broken down through Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, For in him, Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order that he might present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Let's look back at our text this morning. If we go past verse 20 into verse 21, we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, For our sake he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Everything that Paul is writing up to this point hinges on verse 21. Verse 21 is the substance, if you will, of reconciliation. I want, I want to read that text just one more time, verse 21, with a little bit of added commentary. Paul says, for our sake. Now who is he talking about there? He's talking about on behalf of wretched sinners who have rejected the beauty and the glory of God. He says, for our sake, he, who's he? He is God, God the Father, who is infinite in perfection, who is most holy, who is most true, who is most righteous, who is most pure. 
He, God, made him, Jesus Christ, God's most beloved and precious son, who is himself infinite in perfection, who is himself most holy, most true, most pure, most righteous. God made him to be sin who knew no sin. This means that God made the the, the most precious and beloved son of God to be treated as the sinner. To be condemned as the offender against God. To be made to drink the cup of God's righteous judgment towards our sin. He made Christ to, to be crushed under the weight of God's just anger and just wrath. He made Christ to pay the penalty for sin on behalf of sinners. He says, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Christ, we, the sinner, might become. Literally carries the idea that we might receive, that we might be clothed in. The righteousness of God. What Paul is communicating here is that you and I, who have rejected the beauty and glory of God, who have deliberately, time and time again, rebelled against the word of God, God the Father, most most perfect and pure, made his glorious, beautiful son to be sinned, to be treated as the sinner in our place, to absorb our punishment for sin in our place so that you and I could be clothed in his righteousness, so that you and I would no longer be seen as as impure and unholy and untrue and sinful, but we would be welcomed into the family of God as sons and daughters of the king of kings, clothed in his righteousness so that we would be seen as pure we would be seen as holy we would be seen as righteous we would be seen as Jesus man that's beautiful this morning that is the beauty of reconciliation a theological term for this is called the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ A gentleman by the name of Jarvis Williams, he he makes this definition for, for penal substitutionary atonement. He says, Jesus reconciled sinners to God by being their substitute punishment. That he absorbed in his person God's righteous wrath against us because of our sin that we might be free from sin and its penalty. And not only free from sin and its penalty, but we are liberated to enjoy Jesus forever. Church from God alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we have received reconciliation. What great news. This is magnificent news. We are beginning a brand new year and it has been mentioned a couple of times this morning already. But perhaps for those of us who know Christ, perhaps 2022 was just a a religious train wreck for you. 
Perhaps you found yourself in a place you didn't believe you would end up. I want you to rest in the fact this morning that Jesus has paid the debt for your sin. Past, present, and future, you have received reconciliation to Christ. Come home to the Father. You may have walked away from him, but he has not forgotten about you. Come home to the Father today. For those of you who who have yet to turn from sin and you have yet to trust in Christ, this is good news for you this morning. The Father opens up his arms wide. He He has given his Son so that you could be reconciled to him. Your sins could be forgiven. The enmity between you and a holy God could be exchanged for peace and a harmony, friendship, sonship, to be a daughter. We have received reconciliation. That leads us to our second point this morning. Not only have we received reconciliation... But we have received the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Notice our text once again. Paul says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and what? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us. We have received the ministry of reconciliation. Now, from the perspective of Scripture, this this really implies two realities. One, we have been entrusted with the gospel. To receive the ministry of reconciliation means that we have been entrusted with the gospel, that God, through Christ, has reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And the message of reconciliation is the gospel. Those who have been reconciled through the gospel are entrusted with the gospel. What does that mean? It means that we are entrusted to hold fast to the gospel. We are entrusted to defend the gospel. And we are entrusted to proclaim the gospel. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he defines the gospel at least in the most elementary way. And he says this, he says, I would remind you brothers that the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved in which you hold fast to the word that I preached to you unless you believed in vain. And this is what I delivered to you as of first importance. I delivered what I also received, Paul says. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Is this not what we sang this morning? That Christ died in our place. That he rose again, and as he stands in victory, so all of us who have been reconciled to God stand in victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. We handle and hold eternal hope because of Christ. That's the gospel message. This is what we hold fast to. This is what we've been entrusted with. This is what we proclaim to a world that needs to hear. You can be reconciled to God. In Romans 1, Paul writes that this gospel 
He's certainly not ashamed of it because it's this gospel that has the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to also to the Greek. See, the gospel is good news. It's good news for all who hear and for all who believe. To believe in Christ is to receive reconciliation. And Paul says to receive reconciliation is to receive the ministry. And to receive the ministry is to be entrusted with the gospel. Secondly, not only have we been entrusted with the gospel, but we have been called to be ambassadors. We have been called to be ambassadors. Paul says, therefore, in light of this, in light of your own reconciliation, in light of the ministry that you have received, in light of the gospel that's been entrusted to you, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Paul describes the Christian as an ambassador. This literally means that from God's perspective, all who are reconciled through Christ are also ambassadors for Christ. Whether positively or negatively, that's who we are. All who are reconciled through Christ are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is an accredited diplomat. We have these in our world from nation to nation. It's sent by a country or a sovereign as an official representation to a foreign country. Randy Alcorn, he makes this comment from the, from the Christian perspective. He says, we Christians are citizens of a different kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God and we are ambassadors representing Christ in this foreign land. Church, we were created with the chief end to bring glory to God and find joy in him forever. And we have been redeemed reconciled for the chief end of being ambassadors for God so that that glory and that joy in Christ Jesus might be seen among the nations. That's our purpose. The God who reconciles the world to himself through Christ makes his appeal to the world through Christians. It's a pretty lofty job, isn't it? The same God that reconciled us is the same God that's going to work through us to bring reconciliation to the world in which he intends to reconcile. This is why I think MacArthur makes this comment. He says, it is our duty to tell people they can be reconciled to God. That our mission to bring the message of reconciliation to sinners, to preach to them the gospel, the good news, the evangel, that the relationship of hostility, the relationship of hatred, the relationship of animosity, the relationship of enmity, the relationship of alienation between God and sinful man can be totally changed so that enemies can become friends. He goes on to say, is this this not what we live for? Like, is this not what we die for? Is this not what we preach for? Is this not what we serve for? That we might nurture the saints in order that the end, that in the end, the message of reconciliation might effectively reach sinners. In the last days of our Lord here on earth, 
He has conversation after conversation really revolving around the same idea. We get two glimpses of that, one in Matthew 28 and one in Acts 1. In Matthew 28, Christ tells the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Go be ambassadors. In Acts chapter 1, he says, you shall be my witnesses. You are my ambassador, my representation in the world. You see, because of what God has done, this is who we are. We are reconciled by the gospel. We have been entrusted with the gospel. We are ambassadors who carry the gospel into our community and to the ends of the earth. This is who we are, and this is what we have been redeemed or reconciled to do. Now, tis the season, right? Many of us are making New Year's resolutions. I made a resolution to get in shape. Turns out that round is a shape, circle is a shape. Praise the Lord for that. Right, we're, 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 making, we're making goals to go new places, to, to do new things. Can I just encourage you this morning? Don't make being an ambassador more complicated than it has to be. As you go, be a Christian. As you go, carry the hope that you have received in Christ Jesus wherever you go. Interject Jesus in the conversations that you are having. That as we, as we go to work, as we, as we go to the gym, as we go to the ball field, as we, as we go to the store, as we go, may we aim, may we resolve this year to be ambassadors for Christ. May we resolve to, to see the Great Commission fulfilled with greater capacity in 2023 than we saw in any previous year in our life and in our life as a church. May this be our resolution. That as we do our other resolutions, may this be akin to it. This is who we are. This is what we do because of Christ. May we carry the reconciliation that we have received to a world yet to be reconciled. May we as a church and as individuals, may we go on mission. May we give to missions. As we end every church service, every Sunday, as a body of faith, may we live sent. May we see more come to be reconciled to God as we spend our lives and spend our resources pointing people to the God of reconciliation. And this morning as we close, I think it's fitting that I make my own appeal. For those of you who, who may be here today, perhaps it's your first time, perhaps you have been coming over the last several weeks, and in a spirit of honesty, you would say, there has never been a moment, at least that I am, the, the disposition of my life is not that I have turned from my sin or, or turned from myself, and that I've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins in order that my relationship with God would be restored. In the words of the Apostle Paul, we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. The debt has been paid. The way has been paved. Come to the Father through Christ this morning. Come and taste and see the goodness of God that is in salvation. Man, for those of us who know Christ, we have been reconciled to God by his goodness and grace. Once again, perhaps last year, 
Perhaps this morning was a train wreck for you. Come back to the Father. Come back to the Father. But for those of us who are reconciled, we have received reconciliation from God. May we be ambassadors for Christ. May we live our lives with the intent and the goal to make much of the one who redeemed our souls. I'm going to pray and then we'll turn things over to our pastor. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church. And we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.